0: Hello, welcome to the uh, first podcast, first episode of the podcast, Recovered AF. Um, My name is Aaron. My name is Kyle. And uh, we're going to co-host this podcast. Uh, We don't really know what we're doing. We've never done a podcast before. We don't really know what we're doing in general, let alone podcasting. So bear with us as we figure this out.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Just a little disclaimer to get started. We're uh, no way affiliated with any twelve-step program. Uh, we're just a couple of dudes that are in in recovery, and we decided we were going to start a podcast and just start sharing some of our experience and see where it goes from there. So,
0: yeah. So how this sort of all guy came about was uh, we both enjoy listening to podcasts and listen to them a lot, and end up listening to some of the uh, same similar podcasts and enjoy them and. Uh, We sort of both around the same time had a feeling that we wanted to start a podcast, but uh, we didn't really know what the hell to do it about. And we're not really anybody, and we're not, you know, famous comedians and stuff like that. So uh, all the podcasts that we like were already taken. So we had to come up (laughs) with something that somebody wasn't already doing. And since uh, we're both in uh, recovery programs, we decided to sort of revolve it around that.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I, we kind of came up with a vision statement or something, just kind of gearing out what we were hoping to make this thing into, and then decided you know what let's just buy the equipment and start talking, and we'll see where it goes man i'm I'm pretty excited to start it though I'm pretty nervous, but it's cool,
0: yeah, and so this ob op- this episode is probably just gonna be us talking to each other, which is. Pretty riveting out there, for I'm sure most of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, like in the future, we, we know a lot of people that are um, that are just pretty bad as hell, and they're and they're in recovery programs. And um, I'd say their lives are sort of defined by being badass, and then like that's as a result of being in a recovery program. Um, but it's not maybe the defining thing.
1: Right, right. Yeah, well, and I would say that that's kind of the idea is to go around with some of the people that we've built relationships with that are in recovery and uh, interview them about their life in general and not just uh, living in in the rooms or doing anything like that and kind of what their life has become as a result of being a part of recovery. And uh, like Aaron said, we know some pretty good people out there. Uh, I don't think... Either of our stories are gonna be fucking dynamite, but but it's a good starting point since it's the two of us getting this thing off the ground. So
0: yeah, yeah, this is entirely disinteresting thus far. Just wait for the upcoming episodes. Right?
1: Yeah, hang in there with us. We're <laughs> gonna have a couple of good ones coming your way. So
0: if uh, if we were video recording this, perhaps you could see how sweaty I am. <laughs> <Yeah>, I am <laughs> super anxious right now. So. Uh, so yeah, maybe a little bit how I got to this point, like, um, Kyle and I met a couple of years ago. Um, I, I, uh, had been, I'd gotten sober in 2012 and been sober for a few years and, and gotten pretty deep into the program and then, uh, ended up having some time back out. And then when I got back around, a buddy of mine from the previous time had known Kyle and introduced us and, uh, got to know one each other. Uh, this sounds like a couple that we're courting one another. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I asked Kyle out for coffee and he accepted yeah. <laughs> He started to come into my meeting and I went to his.
1: Yep. Yep. It was a good old fashioned starting of a relationship for sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway, we, we, just, we realized we were pretty similar guys and we had pretty similar approaches to the 12 step program, which, uh, you know, you, gave us some sort of a connection that we could start on and then uh yeah
1: that's pretty much how it how we kind of got to know each other um aaron and i have done quite a bit of work you know through the through the 12-step program we've uh tried to carry the message we try to get out there and work with a lot of different guys and we found that we kind of have similar approaches and um you know we we just figured this would be a good opportunity to to start to try to do something else together and, and grow in this thing, whatever it is that we're doing, you know? So, um, but yeah, I, I came to, uh, 12 step programs. I, I had no previous experience. I had no knowledge of what it was. Um, I went to a treatment center and didn't even know that it was a a 12 step treatment center. I thought I was just going to be safe and protected for 30 days and then they were going to let me out and that was not my experience. So, uh, but when I got out, I, I, I was hanging around for a while and then I asked a guy to, to be my sponsor and that was the guy that ended up connecting Aaron and I and so um, after a couple of years of us kind of running around the the rooms where we're from we decided to uh, take this thing and launch it and I guess
0: see what comes next man so and like um, <clears throat> Kyle and I are actually members of two different 12-step groups Kyle's a member of a 12-step group That's a big book based group that revolves primarily around alcohol. And I'm a member of a 12 step group. That's also big book based that, uh, is more open to drug addicts. And, um, like the thing that we have in common where, whereas, you know, my thing, uh, especially latter in life revolved around opiates, what we do have in common is the solution that we use that's comes out of the big book using the directions in the big book. So absolutely. I think for me, I don't know, for me, identification was important. And, uh, um, like I didn't know, I didn't always know where I fit in when I was in, you know, just an alcohol based 12 pro 12 step program. And then, so when this other things got started, uh, the big book program for drug addicts got started. Um, I feel like I didn't have to omit part of my story anymore but the thing that I think that connected Kyle and I was that the solution that we were sharing came out from the same source right it came from that big book and the directions outlined in the book absolutely
1: yeah you should uh you should go into more detail of how you kind of got that 12-step program off and running here and here in town that's that's a cool story that I think pretty valuable
0: so if you want okay Well, so like I had said, I had, so like, um, when I was younger, probably from the ages of 15 till, I don't know, till 27 ish, I was, um, primarily an alcohol user and, uh, you know, at, at different, I don't know, different, uh, levels of use, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And anyway, and then, um somewhere after that I got married and alcohol wasn't really cool with my wife anymore. And the amount that I was using it and nearly, nearly lost a marriage to that. So I ended up like stumbling across opiates and prescription painkillers to be more specific. And I started taking those and it was easier to hide and there wasn't all of the consequences and and problems that was going the alcohol was causing in my life. And so I ended up, um, sort of switching from alcohol to uh, prescription painkillers really at that point. And, um, you know, that sort of progressed along the same, same way as the alcohol had in my life. And so, uh, I ended up in 2012, ended up in a treatment center. Ironically enough, the same one that Kyle started out in. Um, I guess that's pretty regionally, right. Used quite a bit. And so I ended up in that 12 step program and I got out and I didn't know, like, when I first got out, I didn't know which 12 which step program that I needed to, that, I, that I should be going to or that I felt that I belonged in. So I you know, sought out a couple. We had two in, in the town where we lived. One was for pretty much alcohol and, and used that literature and the other one was for drug addicts and had an entirely different um, literature base. and uh, so I joined the one. I ended up being drawn towards the one that the alcoholics were in. Uh, and like, while alcohol had been a large part of my story when I was younger, towards the latter years, I was pr- almost exclusively an opiate user. And I just felt like I just felt like I was being dishonest in that fellowship. And like, this is my deal. This wasn't any, nobody made me feel this way. Nobody told me uh, I, that just was that inter- internal thing, that identification that I was talking about. And um, like two and a half years into this deal, and I was deep into it. I was sponsoring alcoholics. I was uh, had a ton of service can. Uh, service commitments and I was doing all those things and I really began to um, become resentful towards it and I just felt like that my life had been consumed by it and I just was at that point sort of tired of it and um, ended up hurting my back and uh, accepted accepted a, a, a prescription from a doctor and, uh, and went ahead and got that filled and almost immediately started down that horse again or i got distracted when the heater kicked on i <laughs> yeah. thought it was my garage door <laughs> i started down that path again is what i was trying to say and um, and uh, and then but i was still super deep in this deal i was like still sponsoring guys still going to your meetings still at the service commitments. and i was like i gotta get the fuck out of here i gotta do something this isn't gonna work for me so i was like well you get out of this deal by drinking and i was like so that's what i that's what i've got to go do so i went and wouldn't and have some drinks and uh went back I actually had a service commitment the next night and told the guy i was like here man i had a few drinks last night so here this you need all of this equipment all of these things for this thing we're doing and i gave it all back to him and i peaced out and uh and uh that was the end of that and so then i was out and off and running for a couple more years and uh got back to a place and it, like leading the double life and i and my wife was not okay with me being a junkie. She was not okay with it, and she did the best she could. And, and I was back and forth and really dishonest about what I was going on. And every time she'd find out, I'd be like, all right, yeah, I'm going to stop on my own again this time. And I would try and do that, and then I would fail. And then the, finally the last time, she uh, she said she was out of there. She was like, well, she had told me. She was like, you know, if you you know fuck around again, and I'm out of here. And so the time came, and I had to, like – I was gonna get caught. I was spending money that there was just no way that she wasn't gonna find out, and so I like was sort of hoping if I came clean that you know that might save me a little bit. And so I told her what was going on, and I was completely strung out again, and and uh, on the needle again. And she was like, "Cool, I'm out of here. S- see you later. Like I'm not gonna hang around for this shit." And uh, I was like, completely unwilling to come back to any twelve-step groups. I was like, those. I didn't really care for those people the 12-step crowd and i thought they were <laughs> all um thought they were all hypocrites and um and just sort of losers and i didn't really want any part of that uh i, I in my mind i'd i i tried that and uh, that didn't work for me so i'm gonna do something else and um like one of the other podcasts I listened to and, and I'd seen the story on vice on vice news about this guy taking psychedelics and getting off uh, and getting off heroin. And I was like, yeah, that's sounds good. That sounds like something. And, uh, our Kyle and is mutual friend had sent me a podcast on Joe Rogan's podcast about a couple of guys talking about Ibogaine treatment. Cause I was looking at ayahuasca and so then they turned me on and then I started searching Ibogaine treatment and, um, and looked into this place and the dude was like, actually we had somebody counsel next week. Like if you can get here next week, we can get you in next week. And uh, I didn't have the money. <laughs> I didn't have the time off work. Like I was able to maintain employment through all of this. And uh, I don't know, I didn't know how I was gonna get down there. And uh, as the way things do that came together, right? Somehow I was able to switch a week off of work and get the time and somehow I was able to secure the money at the last minute. And get down there, and so off I went uh, to Tijuana, Mexico, which when my family found out I was going to Tijuana to take psychedelics to kick my opiate habit. They yeah, were, I'm
1: sure that went over really
0: well, yeah. They were concerned. Yeah. Right? And I've got a cousin that works in the industry, so they were calling her, not in the uh, psychedelic industry, in the traditional <laughs> treatment industry, and they were calling her, and they were like, what the fuck is Aaron doing? Like, this is this safe, this isn't going to work, and... Like, I don't know though. I saw it as sort of God's will. I mean, the, the way the shit came together for me able to get down there like that, I just figured that was pretty much God's will for me. And, uh, yeah. So off I went to Tijuana and went down there and did a drug called Ibogaine, it's a psychedelic and, uh, it scrubs the opiate receptors in the brain and does a lot of other things. I'm not that knowledgeable of it. Like <laughs> yeah. they told me when I was down there, but that was several years ago. And, and, um, uh, and, uh, And yeah, and it gets rid of like 90% of the withdrawal symptoms. And I thought that that was going to be the easy way out. And then after that, it was like, it was 14 hours of brutal, not very fun tripping. Like it's not a party drug. Right. right? Yeah. It's not like getting a bunch of boomers and, you know, going up to the mountains. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You're in fetal position throwing up or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was
0: dark and uncomfortable and sort of terrifying and. Not necessarily a bad trip. It was just uh, not fun either. Right. I don't know it was dark, and so like 14 hours of that, and I got through the other side of it, and I was like, yeah, there's there's no easy way out, right? There's no, <laughs> yeah. you gotta pay the piper somehow. Off <laughs> yeah. for this it's either bite the bullet and go through withdrawals or this thing, and that was that was a long 14 hours, and uh, and so we did this thing called ibogaine, and then um, and then a couple of days later to sort of bring us back up, we did another one called 5meo DMT or toad as it's called and um, a lot of people see a lot of cool things and like get outside their ego and have these amazing experiences with it and that's the one where I threw up I threw up quite a bit that's right yeah yeah, yeah it was a short it was a short trip it wasn't terrible I mean it was okay I mean it wasn't I, it was I don't know. It was pretty neutral. I didn't have any great epiphanies or get outside or have a spiritual experience or all the things I was sort of hoping to have when I went down there. Cause I was like, I'll just do this and I'll take these drugs and I'm going to have this spiritual experience. I'm going to get all the answers. Like, again, it's just like me getting all the answers. I just want all the answers and then I'll come back and do the thing and I'll be great and it'll be fine. And, and, uh, none of that, w- none of that, none of that happened. And, uh, but afterwards I was sitting out there talking to one of the employees and sort of had the realization that I, had everything that I already wanted back here right. I uh, already had everything I wanted I just had to, you know went to Mexico and found that out and uh, so I got so I came back here and they sent me home with some Ibogaine boosters their little microdoses of Ibogaine and they sort of sped me up and made me a little jittery and speed like and a little paranoid sort of and uh, so I got back on a Sunday I was supposed to go back to work on a Monday that wasn't happening <laughs> i couldn't leave my house i uh like i had i had cleaned like i said my wife had left and i had cleaned everything before i left and and scrubbed the house and and cleaned the shit out of it and threw away all the food and so when i got back i had like a half a loaf of bread and some peanut butter and jelly and that's what i was living on and and uh, eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and hiding out inside my house and i cried like i was a, fu- I was a wreck like I' couldn't, I couldn't stop crying. I just cried for like all day, all day Monday. And uh, my buddy, our, our mutual friend, came over and sort of sat with me on Monday night and, and talked with me a little bit. And, um, and then uh, the next day, the same thing. I was supposed to go to work. I got up and I was like, nope, there is no way I can possibly leave this house today. And uh, oh, that's what happened though, the Monday night the monday night before the end of that monday after all of those things i had a cousin who had gotten sober through a spawn am i just going off too long no
1: i think this is exactly what we should be talking about so keep running okay
0: and so i so monday that monday night i had a cousin who was also a, a, a junkie like me except for i was pretty sure he was worse than me and uh he had gotten clean with uh what's called a spontaneous spiritual experience and um i just knew that from talking to him he was not the same selfish little shit that i had known (laughs) for so long and he was different and he was a changed person and uh i uh, anyway he had called me up that monday night just called me out of the blue to see how things were going and uh, he started talking because I, I didn't know what I was going to do when I got back. Like they told me that this would sort of st- like they called it an inter- addiction interrupter. They said this will buy you a little time, but like this is not a permanent solution to your drug problem. That's right. What they told me about this. And so he called me up out of the blue and had uh, told me uh, about how the last time he had tried to c- get clean and how he had put all of his resources like our literature talked about like you know marshalled all of his resources and, and all of the will that he had into and staying clean and and made it a couple weeks and failed and then as a result of that like basically his experience with god and his spiritual experience and then what that had to look like going forward and it looked like whatever god required of him he had to do whether he understood it or not, whether it made sense to him or not, like whether he wanted to or not. And that he didn't really get the, he didn't really get to decide which instruction he followed and which instruction he didn't. Because if he ignored what God had asked of him once, like then he might do it again. And if he did it again, then how long before he was just a example of self will. Right. And so he got off the phone with me and, uh, I was like, well, so I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I haven't considered God in all of this. so, And I had been agnostic several years prior the first time I got sober. And um, then uh, my several years of sobriety, I was no longer agnostic. So I, uh, I got down on my hands and knees and I asked God for direction. And it was sort of like what we had just talked about on the phone. And I was told God, like, whether I'm scared to or not, whether I understand it or not, whether I want to or not, like, I'll just do whatever you tell me to do. I just ask that you make your direction clear because I am a little hard headed. And before I had gotten to my feet, God had, I'd felt the strong direction to call my old sponsor who lived several time zones away. And on the East Coast, and we're Mountain Standard Time, and it was like 10 o'clock our time, so it was midnight his time. And I was like, well, that's doesn't make any sense at all and i'm not gonna do that
1: yeah <laughs> walking immediately yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: okay god i'll do whatever yeah. and then i get something. I'm like well i'm not gonna do that though it <laughs> doesn't make any sense though yeah. like, why would i do that <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. awesome and so like i got up the next morning yeah and so now we're back and so i got up tuesday morning man And i was supposed to go to work and i was like hell no and i remember too it was like so it was this time of year and spring where we're at we get um cold and wind and it was just one of those days where it was about 20 degrees and the wind's blowing 60 miles an hour and it's just fucking miserable i was like i can't even go out there (laughs) (laughs) i can't even leave my house nope and uh so i called in and then i uh i got that feeling again so i called him so i called my old sponsor who lived several time zones away and uh you know start bawling immediately and then oh, I don't know what to do and he was like what well, would you you know like are you thinking about coming back to the fellowship again and I said I don't even know if I qualify for that fellowship I was like every time the wheels come off it's around the needle and uh, he said well I'm expecting a call from this guy down in Texas today just they're doing this thing with this other fellowship where they're using the big book but they're using it for drugs And they're having really good success down there. I'm expecting a call from him today. Just hold on a second. I knew who this guy was because when I had been sober the last time, I had listened to a bunch of his speaker tapes and used to get all fired up and wound up to listen to those speaker tapes. And then uh, my old sponsor just happened to be expecting a call from that dude that day. And I was like, oh, all right. Now I know why I was supposed to... Okay, now it's starting to make a little bit of sense to me, you know. And so he was like, "Just hold on to your shit, man. I'll call you back." And he called me back a couple hours later, and he said, "Here, this is this guy's number. Call him today. If he doesn't answer, leave a message." So I got the phone and I and uh, I just put the number down. I was like, "That's just not now. I can't call right now. I'll know when I I'll know when I should call because I knew that guy was busy." And then I don't know what it was. A couple hours later, I was like, "Okay, now I now it's time to call." Picked up the phone, called that guy, expecting to get his voicemail, and he answered. Like, my first words were, bear with me. I can't hardly talk. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I'm, like, choking back tears, trying, you know. It's like, <laughs> that's not the way I want to introduce myself to somebody, right? <laughs> right. Like, yeah, the- a
1: guy that you and I both listen to a lot of, kind of look up to, and <laughs> you call him, and you're <laughs> about to cry. yeah, <laughs> bawling like yeah. a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And he was like, well, what are you coming off of, buddy? And like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's
1: a good accent. And, yeah, there. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, uh, and uh, I said, I like, went and did this Ibogaine treatment. I was doing you know a lot of Dilatids and some heroin. And, and just hold on a second. And I sort of told him what was going on. He asked about these other fellowships. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I don't know about those other fellowships. I'm sort of a big bug guy. And he was like, well, why don't you start this one? And I was like you want me to start a fellowship <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and you're at this point how how over seven days maybe no two two well, days well because you used a couple of the boosters yeah, right yeah so,
0: so, so they sent me home with some ibogaine boosters i'd used the one the day before it had probably been like um i think we did the dmt on a friday and this was on a tuesday right so
1: so you're a couple of days at most (laughs) removed from any substances yeah Yeah. and get in direction to start a fellowship yeah Yeah.
0: and like at this point i'd still been unable to even leave my house i was gonna have to because i was getting low on jelly yeah that's what i was gonna ask too i was like you got to be about out of food at this point Yeah, that was my food supply (laughs) i'm (laughs) running out of jelly and i can't i'm too fucking scared (laughs) to even leave my house to go buy food to put into my system and um Buy my house alone by myself and uh and he tells me to start this fellowship and i'm like dude uh i think maybe i should i don't know get a sponsor and go through the work myself and like <laughs> you know two hours ago i had plainly sworn off 12-step groups you know like i'm done with this stuff right, right. now you're telling me to start a, a fellowship and he was like yeah i'm sure you half-assed some shit on the way through get another get a sponsor and go through the work but you need to get out there and start working with other addicts. Right. And so I was like, all right. And this was it. And like, whatever it was like 12 hours before or 16 hours before I had made this deal with God and said, I'll do whatever I'll do anything. And I'll, I'll, I'll do anything you tell me to. And he told me to, you know, call my old sponsor, which didn't make any sense. And then I called my old sponsor who told me he was expecting a call from this guy. And I was like, okay, now it's starting to make a little more sense. And then this guy's like, yeah, that's cool. Just start this fellowship. And then, so I was like, all right. And, uh, yeah, long story short. My, my sobriety day was March 7th and I still have our flyer from when we started that meeting and our first meeting was March 26th. Right. So just in a matter of a few weeks, I was getting sober and starting to fellowship at the <laughs> yeah. same time.
1: And during that same time, you got some direction around a sponsor again, right? Cause you had kind of asked that fella, don't i need to do this and you had gotten some more direction on that right
0: yeah so yeah i'd asked um yeah i said don't you think i need to call this guy and and so i'd gotten off the phone with him and then i'd um had several people tell me that i might benefit from seeing a trauma therapist Mm -hmm. and uh so i called her up and uh she was like yeah i can see you but i don't really do the your your addiction thing you're going to need to be in a a 12 step group for that thing. Cause I don't treat that in, if you want me to see you, I'm going to need you to be part of a 12-step group. And so I was like, all right, I guess I'm doing that no matter what. And I was like, well, actually, I'm starting this one. And she was like, no. <laughs> yeah. No, dude, I need you to be, like, in a real one. <laughs> yeah, I, I can
1: only imagine what she's thinking. Yeah. She's like, this yeah. fucking guy. <laughs> it's okay. like, well, I'm going to start one. I'm going to be the only guy there, but <laughs> now I can qualify, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm going to show up to a room by myself every Sunday for six months. So <laughs> yeah. I, got, I pretty much got that 12-step thing down. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, oh man, all right, well, I'll try this other one that I was the part of earlier the time before I'll go back to there then. And, uh, and so I got off the phone and another really cool thing talk happened. That I don't really talked about, cause like I got talked about, I didn't always feel like I qualified for that fellowship because my drinking had happened when I was so much younger. And after I got off the phone with her, I sort of got a real clear look of what my drinking had looked like. And, uh, that weight has sort of, uh, lifted and I was like, oh, oh, I do qualify for this fellowship. Like, oh, I can see now. Now it makes sense. And so I so I, so I went to my back door, and I lit up a cigarette. I used to smoke, like, h- hanging out the back door of my house, so I didn't smoke in the house. <laughs> yeah. And I'm leaning out the back door of my house, smoking, and the wind's blowing fucking 60 miles an hour, and it's miserable. And I was like, all right, God, like, uh, I guess I'm going to do this deal again, and I don't really want to, but I'm going to do it. But if you got me doing this, I'm going to need a sponsor, so you give me a sponsor. And then the guy's name that he put in my head was not somebody I would have chose for myself. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's, uh, you know, I, to be honest, I was just af- I was afraid of him. You know, he can be very direct, and he can be very blunt and straightforward and, and, and sort of loud, and I think he would tell you all of those things. Absolutely.
1: And yeah. he doesn't pull any punches at all, which is – intimidating but super
0: valuable yeah yeah and so I was like and that's the only name that was in my head and I was like oh man come on (laughs) and so uh yeah so I called that guy up and he had texted me when he found out because like it's not real hard for things to maybe sometimes get around to people that care about you in the fellowship and um it had gotten out that I was not doing so well and that I was going to try some (laughs) experimental (laughs) treatment and (laughs) There was like a conference in town that, and anyway, word had gotten around, so my phone was um, blowing up with some concerned friends when I got home, and so I would texted him a little bit, and he had very directly asked me what I was willing to do different with my relationship with God this time around, which was quite offensive to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, calling you on your shit immediately. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, and
0: I was like, fuck this guy. And then like 24 hours later, I have to call him up and ask him for his help. You know, and I just asked him to meet me and, and I met him and, and, uh, we met at a restaurant and yeah, we went through it. Like where did, where did things, you know, go off the rails the last time? And I, you know, I guess, um, I don't know, sh- short, short version is I had just become a, an example of self will run riot in sobriety mm-hmm. and, uh, l- I, I sometimes use the word, the phrase doing the program for show as a way to try and explain that, but for uh, a lack of, uh, I, you know, I'd, I would do it, I would write inventory, but not really for the sake of anything else, but to tell people I wrote inventory, or I would do 11 steps so I could go, you know, talk about, so I could go to a meeting and pick, uh, the 11 step for a topic so I could feel superior to the people around me that.
1: Right. Yeah. I think you and I have had, so that's something that you and I have kind of shared common experience with is, uh, kind of using the program as a way to be to separate myself and not even knowing that I'm doing that. Like, Oh, I do it this way and you people are doing it wrong type of mentality, which, uh, ends up putting, you and I both into some pretty extreme circumstances in our lives before, so
0: yeah. And I've had a couple of experiences and tw- with twelve with step programs, and I learned I learned a lot about what not to do, and a lot, some about what to do. Mm-hmm. Like I, the first time that I left out of that whole thing was the first time I was in a treatment. This was, I was forty. I just turned forty when I went and did the IBA game. I was. 19 the first time i went to treatment for alcohol so um this wasn't my first experience and and um when i was 20 i went to a 12-step fellowship and um tried to stay sober just by going to meetings and not actually doing the program of recovery outlined and um that didn't work for me and uh that was not a very enjoyable experience except for i got to i got to meet some pretty and people that I still know today one guy that ended up being my sponsor when I got back at 35 right so yeah so um that's how that fellowship got started and um the thing was that was a few years ago and um like I would give it six months I was like I I don't really care what happens with this fellowship I don't care I'm doing this because I told God to do whatever and then you know the whole series of events that I just talked about. And I was like, I'll show up, I'll open the doors for six months. And, um, then, you know, I didn't really get the word out very well about it.
1: Right. And yeah, yeah, basically I, I'm going to do this for six months. Then I'll close up shop and check it off the list as I did it. Kind of mentality. Right.
0: Exactly. That didn't end up happening. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what happened. It turns out that, maybe that there is a place for that fellowship where we live and absolutely yeah and we're not exactly booming but we're it's not to the point where i used to just hope nobody would show up at some point or, or at least one or two people that i knew pretty well so that we didn't really have to have a meeting and i don't have to pick a topic and do all those things and the idea that nobody's going to show up the week after week anymore so that i don't have to have a meeting is not realistic anymore right,
1: right? yeah i mean it's it's regularly attended you have home group members I mean and it's it's doing well and yeah. it's one of the more quality meetings around the area yeah. I mean it's super solution focused it's out of the book you've got a lot of people that have been through the work so you get good experience with it I mean it it's in my opinion a, a thriving meeting
0: yeah so. yeah and so that so that was what happened for me when I was like I'm not ever doing the 12-step stuff again and you people can get bent and now here i am after asking god for direction
1: right and how is uh how's your relationship with the fellowship now you know because at different points throughout your sobriety and in the past you kind of have isolated from the fellowship and kind of been like oh yeah i don't want anything to do with it where where are you at with that now
0: yeah yeah so like i said well, the first time when I was 20, it was just all fellowship. It was no, no no, action program. It was just a lot of meeting and hanging out with people in the program, and that was that was a good experience. And then, uh, yeah, due to my own closed-mindedness and self-righteousness, uh, when I got back the second time, um, I was convinced that, everybody was doing it wrong and, uh, fucking it all up. And, uh, yeah, as a result of that, I felt entirely disconnected from the fellowship. I was like, I don't know what the fuck these people are doing. There's nobody here around. I had, uh, you know, one, a handful of people that I hung out with and then a couple of them moved to Denver. So it was just me and one other guy. And I, I think we spent more time pissing people off and, going into meetings and just scowling at everybody and then <laughs> yeah. n- like not contributing at all and leaving. And then, w- then, then that's pretty much what I spent my time doing mm-hmm. or maybe diagnosing like what was wrong as a whole in our town <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that's what I should have been doing. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's a wonder why I didn't feel a part of that fellowship that I spent all of my time criticizing. Right. And, uh, yeah. And so this time around, it was like, um, uh, that wasn't really the focal point it just was like that's the thing it just developed out of nothing and then I just r- had remembered sitting in a my home group a couple of weeks ago and looking around and thinking like this is where it was, this is where it's at like I really enjoy each and every one of these people here and that are here and they're contributing and they're being a part of and they're just sharing their experience you know and then we have another group that we participate in that's not um an official meeting that's just sort of a handful of people getting together at some guy's house and uh you know being a part of that group and looking around there and just and enjoying it and enjoying what everybody's has to bring you know and and uh again like to feel a part of right to feel a part of that thing and to feel a part of the fellowship now and uh this is this, this is the thing that my friend and i and or my friends and i tried to create the last time around and we tried to force and 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 doing so we alienated everybody around us and so yeah it was you know i i uh, i don't want to sit here and quote the book but i mean it was <laughs> you know so it it, was, it grew up around me and, and god showed me how to create that fellowship and it wasn't like um you know collect a band of minions and show these people how it's done it was just like show up and open this meeting and get through the work and share your experience
1: right and as a result now you've got a fellowship that you crave and people you spend time with outside of just meeting attendance and have something in common as opposed to just the dislike for what was going on at the time you know what I mean like there's a bit of a there's more depth to it I think is what I'm trying to suggest.
0: Yeah, I think so. Like um before we would like you said just get together outside the rooms to talk about how bad everybody was fucking it up. And uh yeah, this time we uh, you know like get together and hang out in a way that is a little more natural and we start podcasts and we watch UFC right. fights. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And uh go to conferences together. Mhm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Just hang out, just be friends. Right. That doesn't have to do. Like, see, that was the other thing too. Is like, it was, it had to be, like, recovery oriented all the time. When I w- when I wasn't there, then we were talking about it. And like, this is not to say I don't. When I have a question or I'm confused about something or. Like, hey, I'm, you know, sponsoring this guy, and like he's struggling in this area. Have you ever had that happen? Like, what do you do? How do you help this guy? Da da da. There's still that, but it's like, well, what can we do to like help people and not like, why can't anybody else get it?
1: Right. Yeah. It's more organic now, and in the, in the right realm of the spirit, I think. Instead of, I mean, and I'm sure it was for a while, but. I mean, I, I understand. I've had some similar experiences and views at different points of my sobriety as well. So um, you've done quite a bit of uh, other changes too, like your diet and your exercise. I mean, you're like stopping using and drinking is one part of it, but I mean, your entire life has changed as a result of your your recovery now.
0: Why don't you talk a
1: little bit about that?
0: Yeah, so that last time, that first time, not... Uh, you know, when I'd had a couple of years and went back out, like I'd went through the work and had this experience and, and, and saw the world differently. But like, as far as, uh, there was a lot of things that didn't change. Like I, you know, uh, smoked about a pack and a half of cigarettes and, um, ate poorly and didn't exercise. So I wasn't really taking care of myself physically. Um, and then, uh. I was pretty irresponsible with money still. Mm -hmm. So, um, even though my wife had done a good job of getting us out of the debt that I had gotten in through my addiction, um, we weren't, we weren't exactly flourishing, you know, we weren't sitting flush. We were still living in a hundred year old house on an older side of town. And, and, uh, you know, like I've managed to maintain my employment through all of this, um, you know, through God's grace. Um, but actually making a a decent wage, definitely a livable wage for two people without children. And, and so like, there was a lot of like those internal changes that first time, but I didn't get, I didn't experience much of that external change. And so this time, um, our mutual friend, the one that sat with me that first night had, uh, lost a bunch of weight doing a ketogenic diet. And he was, I'd seen pictures of him. I was like, damn, dude, like you're doing well. And so I decided that prior to the, um, probably when I was pretty high before I even left, that when I got back, yeah. I would do this. I don't, I didn't even pronounce it right. I think I called it a keto diet. And I was like, right. I'll do this keto diet and it's working for this dude. And so I'll do that. And, uh, and so yeah, when I got back, well, for you that are familiar with a ketogenic diet, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches do not qualify as keto. <laughs> but that first night that he came and sat with me, he got me lined out on what it was and like gave me the basic ideas of it. And I was like, all right, this is cool. Like I'm going to start this deal. And uh, like that was the thing. That was the thing I was just going to do different As I was just going to eat different and I was going to get, you know, like lose all of this weight because I was probably 50 pounds over 40 pounds overweight at that point. And, uh, yeah, so I started doing that diet, like, the next day. The next day after, I had called the old sponsor, called the guy that told me to start the fellowship, called the trauma therapist. Like, the, those things sort of gave me the courage to leave the house and actually go to the grocery store and buy food, which was pretty exciting. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I went to the store, and I and I bought some food and started down this, this diet. And, uh, like, it was, like, it was, like, you know, like – um, I prefer results to happen pretty fast. And it was a long time before I actually lost any weight on this diet. Like it was something that it took some, a little bit of perseverance and anyway, I ended up losing like 40 pounds as part of it. But like this thing, these things just sort of kept happening. The fact that I was able to stick to this, uh, cause I, you know, we had talked about this. I'm the kind of dude that like when things start to get a little tough, I fold my tent. Right? Some right. people dig in, some people go hard, some people overcome. I quit. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Fuck this. This is hard. I'm I'm off. I'm okay. It's not. I'm no thanks. You're right. Yeah. And um, and so, but like, even though I wasn't having the, the results on the scale, I was starting to feel better. And um, like I was actually able to stick to it. Like that was a thing. It was something I was able to stick to. And um, and then what happened was actually a weird thing. Like I said, I smoked a pack and a half a day. And and, uh, and it was like May of that year. Uh, my grandfather ended up passing and. And uh, I've, I've had a back surgery and had some back problems. And anyway, my back went out like the, the night before his funeral and it crippled me and I could not get up and I could not walk. I sort of got a suit on, but I couldn't even I couldn't ride in a car. I mean, I was I couldn't do anything. Right. And so I missed my grandfather's funeral because my back was all fucked up. And, like, I had read and talked about that smoking was really bad for your back because it restricts the blood capillaries to the back and all of that. And I was like, I'm not missing any – this is – I'm not missing any more shit, man. Right. Like, I'm done with this. And I actually went and got hypnotized uh, down in Fort Collins, and I'd done it before. But, um, yeah, so then, so then I was, you know, whatever, uh, several – couple months into my sobriety. I was eating differently. I was starting to lose a little, a little bit of weight, not a lot – And then I quit smoking, right? And like, okay, so now I've done two things. And like, this is not me. This is not who I am. And like, I don't really want to take too much credit for this thing because this is me after getting through the work. This is me after tapping into the power source, you know? Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you had gone, at that point, you had already gone through the work with your sponsor at the time and and were kind of relying on a power now. Yeah. Starting to put it into other areas of your life, not just not drinking and using
0: yeah this isn't
1: just me nutting up and (laughs) yeah oh i'm just gonna do it different this time yeah right yeah i wish i could fucking do that yeah you know but yeah
0: this is all shit i had tried and failed at for numerous times right who, who knows how many times right but this is through the work spiritual experience tapped into that power source um like getting to experience life a little bit differently but then i as a result of that then i do that work and then i get a little bit of confidence and i'm like oh now i can eat differently now i quit smoking and now what is the next thing and like um, because I was living by myself still, because my wife had left me, I learned that all of the things that a person has to do when they're an adult, and one of them is to get the mail. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. that was wife's job. Like everything was wife's job except for shoveling. I got that but right, that just probably because of my job.
1: Except for today.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> i'm just messing no Sorry. it's okay I had to throw it in there. no
0: it's uh you got me um and so yeah so that everything was wife's job <laughs> everything's wife's job and uh and i get the mail and i opened up uh, it was our mortgage statement i saw how much we owed and i was like damn that's pretty good like she's done good because paying bills was wife's job right and uh, I like we don't know, and, and one of the guys that I went to treatment with the first time was a financial advisor, and so I called him up. I was like, hey, dude, like I don't know, like this is all I owe on my house, and like I think I could probably sell it for this much. And what should I do? And like then I could, because we had credit card debt and the debt that I had taken on to take that Mexico trip, and just you know debt, and then. Uh, he sort of lined me out on what I could do. right? He didn't tell me what to do, but he was like, this is a pretty standard option for people. And so then I um, started looking at it and thinking about it and adding shit up. And I called my wife because she was living with her parents. I was like, hey, what do you think? if We said sell the house. We could do this, 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 and this. And uh, I was like, because either way, whether you just end up leaving me, we're going to have to sell the house. And then if we stay together, we can just start in a new house. And it was like this cool thing. And she was like, uh, that seems, you know, <laughs> okay. She we, had
1: grown accustomed to yeah. a- Aaron of the past, right? Yeah. yeah. We,
0: we had so much shit that needed done around that house one time that I wouldn't do that she hired a handyman to come do all of the (laughs) shit. I was so offended, too. Oh, I would be, too. (laughs) I was like, I'm the man of this house. And she was like, well, fucking do something, guy. (laughs) (laughs) What a good move. (laughs) She hired a handyman because I wouldn't do anything. And now I'm telling her because, you know, the house, I mean, it wasn't falling apart, but there's just stuff that happens after 15 years in a house that, you know, that doesn't get fixed and door handles. and Right this and that and so um she was like you're gonna do this right you're (laughs) gonna fix all of these things by the the end of summer and she was like I don't think this is a good idea and and she actually thought that it would like be a detriment to my sobriety and uh which makes sense I I was not uh the kind of person that made goals and long-term goals and lists and then accomplished those things that wasn't really me and uh but i saw this a way of like making some financial amends to her this was our way we had we had a good amount of equity in that house and we were going to be able to tap into this if we could pull this off and uh and sort of reluctantly she was like all right i guess if you think so and then i made a plan i was like i didn't make the whole plan i was just like okay what's the first thing well i'm gonna need supplies and i'm gonna need somewhere to put them so i'm gonna need some room in my garage which was a dump site <laughs> yeah. yeah and so i was like okay first thing i have to do is clean out the garage and like that weekend i cleaned out the garage and right. then it went to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and before we knew it sure and shit on time at the end of august we had that house up for sale and it sold in a couple of days
1: right, right. yeah because i remember when you and i kind of started being around each other quite a bit you were working on your house I mean, like around the clock, basically when you got off of work or when you were on the weekends, it was I'm like, hey, dude, what are you doing? And you're like, oh, I'm working on my house. Yeah. Oh, I'm doing this. So I remember thinking like, holy shit, man, like this dude's going to pull it off or, or my other thought was maybe he doesn't know what he's doing. So it's taking a really long time <laughs> to work on it. There was both. Yeah. But, but then, yeah, I mean, I remember you being like, yeah, it's ready. And I was like, fuck man, that is so cool. Like, that's awesome. So I remember that time period. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Dude, that was probably the first time in my life at the age of 40 <laughs> that I had made a plan stuck to it and finished it
1: right and followed through on some execution yeah. yeah
0: i was at my brother-in-law's house he was like i'm great at getting shit 80 done and I was like,
1: yeah. yeah you're like shit that's a lot yeah, yeah. congratulations yeah.
0: might as well be finished right that's good enough that's yeah. what i call that yeah exactly
1: <laughs> oh that's funny
0: yeah and so uh and so yeah we got that finished and, and it sold and uh yeah we were able to um you know, like, fortunately, gain some financial security, right? Pay, right. Pay off that debt, put some money into a new house, and uh, and uh, f- for the first time in my life, uh, I don't have to, on a weekly basis, worry about and pinch pennies and, you know, do those things, right? right? I don't spend extravagantly unless my bike breaks. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, unless it's something you really want, yeah. <laughs> Unless, unless uh, they're fantastic shoes, or, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know. But like, that's the thing. I think I heard you say. It, I think I heard you say it a couple of weeks ago. Like, I'm a little bit tighter than I used to be, or that's not the way you put it, but um, because I faced financial ruin, right? I've exactly. Feeling that a lot lately. Yeah, by the way.
1: that's the truth, man. Like when you when I was in financial ruins, like today, money means it. Does, it's not like the driving force of my life, but it means a little more to me because I've been. In the lowest of lows of financial insecurity today, like I try to not live that way, you know, and I try to make conscious decisions. And I I'm saying that as I almost bought a bike (laughs) the other day and I just bought new shoes and all of this. But I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I try to put a lot more weight into financial decisions than I used to.
0: You should definitely buy a bike. We live in a place where we get about two and a half months of summer. Yeah. So it's a pretty good investment. Yeah.
1: A bike is definitely worth it. Yeah. We're surrounded by mountains though. And at least I'm, I'm wanting a mountain bike. So yeah. that would be the idea. But, uh, but yeah, so, and I, you and I were talking before we started this podcast. Um, we were kind of joking about like, what are we going to talk about? Because we're basically just experiencing things that normal people get to experience every day of their lives, you know, but, when you come from pasts like ours, I think it's powerful shit to hear, you know, and this has all happened. I mean, in a, in a couple of years time, you know, you've gone from, you've changed your financial situation. You know, you've experienced reprieve from drugs and alcohol, your physical condition. I believe that your relationship is in a better standing than it used to. I mean, this is all in a short period of time to me. It's like, okay, yeah, these aren't fucking home run stories that are just incredible but to me I mean it is so powerful and I mean I'm biased because I get I get to watch it all happen to you you know I get to watch you tap into that power and this shit happen but I just think it's an inspiring to to see that you know and that's why I think this podcast has a place is because because of that like a regular joe might not understand it but someone that's been in your shoes or been in my shoes is gonna go holy fuck man this thing this thing can work like i believe that's that's the power of this thing you know
0: yeah like just for a matter of perspective um there was before i went to before i went to treatment in 2012 um, my wife was driving me around town to all of the financial institutions that we had borrowed money from trying to get my name off of all of our accounts right? because I couldn't yeah. be trusted right? because I could not be trusted because I bet like, I got it. And then she'd find out about more money that I'd stolen or mm-hmm. borrowed or been dishonest about. So we went from that, her, uh, driving around trying, trying to get her, my name taken off all of our <laughs> accounts. And then, uh, and then we were talking yesterday, a credit card. I don't know, offer came or upgrade came. And I was, I was like, babe, I, I, have a, I have a credit card in my pocket with a $5,000 limit, and then you let me hold it. And uh, so, like, like that was the thing. Uh, the guy that had to get his name taken off all of the accounts now gets to hold a credit card that he could possibly spend $5,000 on in his pocket. Like, that's the the level of trust, right? So that's the thing. It's not like that. But, like, a woman that could not trust me before – uh, now freeze freely allows me to entrust me and actually encourages me to do some of these things. Like she was like, yeah, you know, like get that bike, like right. it's going to make you ha-
1: like, she's go- probably been our biggest supporter of getting this thing off the ground too. I think she's been <laughs> wanting it more than you and I have. We've been kind of yeah. nervous and dragging our feet and she's like, I can't wait. You know, she's, she's awesome. So
0: yeah, we, we've hem, him hot around about this thing for a while. <laughs> it, it, the progress has been slow.
1: I think we, I think this, the, I think I texted you dude we should start a podcast it had to have been a, a what two months ago maybe six weeks I mean yeah. it's been maybe even longer I don't know it's been a while though and then it was like yeah that's awesome and then we kind of talked about it and then we finally pulled the trigger on purchasing equipment and it was like all right we're in and then even today was like hey dude do you want to do anything else other than this and then it was like you know what it I felt immediately shitty afterwards. So it was like, we got to just, we got to move forward. So
0: yeah, that's the deal, man. This is sort of scary. Like, um, I don't know, again, going back to the person I've been my whole life, it's this thing where I, you know, like it's just better not to try than to put yourself out there. And like, this going to be out on the internet for anybody that wants to listen to call up and tell us how fucking terrible we are. And that's okay. Like you can probably do that. Right. If that's what you want to do. Um, but, uh, that's not what I do. That's, that's not, I'm just like, I would rather just take a pass on that and do, you know, and just go with the norm and stay safe and never do anything and never try anything. And that's that way I don't have to experience any of those things. And right. for us to be sitting here, actually putting something down and recording.
1: Yeah. We're 55 minutes into really? this thing, dude. Yeah. That's, that's why I kept. I was like, I just took oh, a picture and sent it to Megan oh, because okay. I was like, we're like, we're killing this thing. Yeah. So. I
0: was wondering, cause I, um, I like to talk a lot, as much as I don't really want to talk right now because I'm nervous. Like, outside of this, I'll never shut the fuck up. Right. So, well, it's great because I, I didn't talk want for. to. Yeah. My <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, yours is coming. Next yeah. Week, I was so, like, um, I do not want it. So go ahead. Yeah, so stay tuned next week so we can find out <laughs> about Kyle and his multiple day blackout. <laughs> yeah. Fucking drunkard over oh, here. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> this guy across the table is a drunkard. I'm just telling you. Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: um, but yeah, I, um. I just, like I said, I just think it's, it's awesome, A, to, to get into some of this stuff, to experience it, to hear your story, you know, and what will, as we keep doing these things, more and more will come out and we'll be able to share more and experience and stuff. But before we wrap up, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to talk, have you share a little bit about working with others. I mean, I know you and I both believe that that's, that's crucial part of, of, of the program and. Part you and I really tried to uh to try to throw ourselves into um and we've joked that you you were kind of God hooked you up with some sponsees when you weren't really actively seeking them I just I, I I'd just like to hear your take on it just some of your experience working with others before we bounce on out of here today
0: yeah so like um from the from the time that I got sober the first time, and then the time I got sober this time, it was impressed on upon me that the twelve steps important. It's important part of this program, and it's the thing about it is is it's scary. Um, there's a lot of responsibility, I guess, that comes with with doing that, and somebody asking you for help and to be a part of their life. Do I need to be closer? It sounds like it's echoing. Last, does it matter?
1: I think you're good. Okay, I like the sound of it. My neck goes too, but you're good
0: now that we're 58 minutes <laughs> yeah.
1: we're like hey maybe we should check our
0: sound what about the audio no um and uh, and and uh so i got the experience of doing that you know early on the last time and then um like i said when i called that dude that told me to start this fellowship he was like we'd we'd, we'd shared a sponsor i think and he he made the comment he was like you know our lineage like sponsorship is important like he said you're not gonna make it if you don't get out there and start sponsoring other out- addicts is what he said and i'm like <laughs> i'm crying 23 hours a day man what are you talking about <laughs> you know like sponsor addicts and uh and and he was right though and 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 like we joked about how minimal of effort i wanted to put in but i'd went overboard last time right i'd never did i didn't have enough time for my wife i didn't have enough time for the other things that are important in life like Mm i i really did go overboard and and that's not you know whatever it is for the people listening it's you know participate to whatever level but um and and so like this time i was like trying to check all the boxes but in a way that was minimalist and uh you know (laughs) like have a service position have a home group but that's it kind of a thing and And not really actively seeking sponsors and uh, our sponsees you know not really um going into the treatment center where there's a lot of men looking for uh sponsors and doing those things and just through a roundabout way i ended up picking up uh sponsee and then maybe that one would that one would drop off and somebody else would meet me through another guy and then that guy would ask me for help And so here I was going to one meeting a week and not even, that was when it was still pretty poorly attended. Yeah. It was like four of us that were attending regularly (laughs) and sponsoring multiple guys, wondering how this has happened. Right. And like, that's the thing though. That's the thing. Like, that's the thing about asking God for help and, and like saying, all right, God, you, you know, you, you, you do it and I'll do it. Like you tell me what to do and where to go and, and like, I'll do it and I'll follow through on my part. Right. Like, that was that thing, and I told God that I'd do that, and God was like, all right, man, like, you don't need to be in a meeting all the time. You don't need to max your life out with these things, but you do need to do all 12 steps, and I'm going to put these gentlemen in your life for you to try and help, you know? And, like, it is. Like, it's uh, It's still today. Like, it's still today. I had a couple of weird experiences this week with people that I have sponsored or do sponsor, and, like, I don't know, it made me almost... A little gun shy again like mm-hmm. you know am i helping these guys like what is my role in doing this and um you know so like it's uh i don't know the 12 step is <laughs> it's uh like it, i don't know it's it's scary it's hard to get out there you, you know you know you don't i just have to remember that this thing is about um those people in their relationship if this thing is about me and my relationship with god then this thing has to be about them and their relationship with God. And like, it's a good reason for me to stay in the book and not be a, you know, a life counselor or a career counselor or a lawyer or a financial advisor or any of those things. Like I have instructions on how to do the steps they're written down. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's an instruction manual that I can just use over and over and over again. So, um, it takes me out of the equation, I guess for back of a of, you know, lack of, a better term but yeah like from the very get I was again this time you know and it was like I could almost see it coming you know there was an addict in one of our other meetings and and he, I invited him to the DAA and I knew like as soon as I sent that invite out I was like god damn it yeah <laughs> pick up another right. one right yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh I had to go speak at that at, at the treatment center we have in town and I was sure that was going to result in some and it didn't and then of I thought it was me, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then I like a, m- a month or two later, one of the guys that was in there and asked me for help. And yeah, yeah, it just seems
1: you know, being on on the outside, it just seems like you just continue to keep doing the thing, you continue to keep living the program, you continue to keep applying it to all of your life, and then sporadically, this guy pops in. You know what I mean? And it, I don't know. To me, I feel like a lot of uh, a lot of my recovery has been based on going out there and trying to make shit happen and what I've seen in in your experience watching yours is like God keeps hooking you up and I believe that he'll do that for anyone you know like you just keep doing the thing and, and your good good things will come you know and it's cool to watch that and your your experience with working with others is a good example of seeing that shit unfold regularly you know it's just it's inspiring to watch and just know oh yeah I just got to have faith and keep marching forward and and things will come to pass so
0: yeah I suppose it says I just have to be willing it doesn't say I have to like anything about like it's okay to be doing it begrudgingly right exactly (laughs) right (laughs) yeah we joked about um uh Kyle getting more sponsies and me trying to get rid of a few. Yeah. So, uh, not, and, I, you know.
1: And it almost worked the opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You kept getting some and I've been stagnant for a little while. I've it's been uh it's just cool. Yeah, I just enjoyed it and um I don't know, man. I I would say this first one's a success. We're over an hour in. I think we're all right. Tapped out, dude. Oh, uh I also I don't think <laughs> it's our first one. I don't think we even said the name of our podcast. Oh man,
0: our podcast is called Recovered AF.
1: Recovered as
0: fuck. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. um, but, uh, and
0: you forgot to ask me how long I've been sober.
1: Yeah, I didn't know if that was really that important because your experience is great, but how long have you been Just sober? Just joking, we don't <laughs> care. Yeah, <it> was like, <laughs> I was like, I didn't think we really cared too much. Your <laughs> life tells exactly what we need to, you know, so. Yeah. All right, man, uh, I say we, uh, we end this thing and, try again next week i guess we'll
0: and i think we're gonna have to have like an email address and all those things once we actually publish this stuff so if you want to email us and just tell us how terrible we are just wait wait a few weeks first we alcoholics are sensitive people
1: right yeah take it easy on us the first couple and then you can Rip us to shreds or whatever it is that you want to do. Then just hammer us after that. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and stop this sucker, man. That was awesome. Good work.
0: Uh, Cue the bumper music. (laughs) (laughs)